Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on September the 7th of 2022. I am Nick with Quinn. How are you, Quinn? I am good. I'm good. I think I'm good. How are you? I'm tired. I oh, no. Yeah, it's it's okay. I I am okay. Uh, I have just uh, been off and on sick for about the past week. Uh, and, uh, I am still a little bit out of it. Uh, so, uh, I apologize for being a little bit loopy, uh, or unfocused. Uh, that's just kind of generally how I'm going to be tonight, but it's okay. I'm yep. fine. And that's fair. If I may offer a suggestion, I think this is a good opportunity for the two of us to get together on a quest. Let's travel to the land of Nod, which is where all sleep comes from, and let's just destroy it. Like, just obliterate it. In my current condition, this seems like an excellent idea. Let's do it. Let's All go. Right. Let's go. Well, after we finish this podcast, I'll land a nod to Conrad. All right. All right. Uh, I, that's assuming that I remember it, and I can't guarantee that I will. Okay. So. Let's talk about a lot of manga, though. We have a ton of manga. We do have a bunch of manga to talk about. Uh, so, um, we, uh, uh, to remind people, we're. We're also talking. We're not. We're not going to be talking about get backers yet. That is no, the thing we cover at the end of the month. That's going to be the end of the month, guys. And I will warn you all. Uh, in the state that I have been in, uh, I have not been able to match the goal that I set for myself of one volume a goddamn day. Uh, no, that has not happened. If, if um, it helps, I literally uh, have not started it yet. The start of the month has been wild, so I'm like, all right, that's this is mid September Quinn's problem. I have read approximately one volume's worth of chapters, and I have hated the entire thing so far. So, What's your feeling so far? Why have I agreed to do this? Okay. It's it's really like we have the ability to just stop Sadistic September at any time, and we don't. For whatever reason, we just keep doing it to ourselves. But It's almost as if it's actually Masochist September or something. Something like that. I don't know. Why don't we, in the meantime, talk about My Hero Academia, Chapter 365, a year. Not That's not the title, but 365 no, no. is the number of days in a year. No, it's called Number 4 and Number 5, because mm-hmm. it's about the number 4 and 5 heroes. Uh, it's because it's about uh, Usopp and Sanji joining. Remember that was the thing in One Piece for a while? When somebody joined, he would call the chapter title, like, The Fourth or The Fifth or something like that. Uh, and that's why a lot of people theorize that uh, Robin didn't officially join the Straw Hats because Robin didn't get one of those. Get get chapter two. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people are like, See, Robin this is Straw Hats. This is the problem with all of the Carrot and Yamato joining the Straw Hats theories is <laughs> that Robin never officially joined. Robin's never officially been part of the crew, guys. She didn't have a chapter title thing, so, you know. So uh, we've got to just completely remove her from the equation and just got to like, you know, have all sorts of just random people who have been on board this, the, uh, the 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 uh, the going Mary and the and the sunny go uh, just like anyone else who's been on them. You know, that could be it's like um, Vivi's duck, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, oh, Karu uh, or Karu? Yeah. Karsu? Yeah. Yeah. He- it could be a straw hat uh, instead of Robin. Yeah, it's fine. I think we have our answer. And he also, there we what? go. Probably wasn't probably wasn't a brook either. I don't think there was a brook chapter. No, no, that, no. That's the truth. That he's actually been dead all along. 
They've just been carrying the skeleton around with them. Just they just they just they they just all pretend to make Luffy feel better. How? What kind of? You know, like how we're not allowed to as millennials have things that are just normal and fine. Everything has to have like a dark, insidious twist to it. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, the yeah. Rugrats are all about four babies that uh, died at birth or whatever, mm-hmm, and it's all purgatory. Mm-hmm. Like, what's that equivalent theory to One Piece? It's like Brooks always been dead all along. <laughs> they just took a skeleton around with them <laughs> and they want to pretend they have a musician so they put it up to a piano and they're just like da, 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 da. And meanwhile it's just a skeleton falling over in a chair there's no one piece chapter this week guys so enjoy this while oh we got it one that's what this chapter would have been theorized let's talk about my hero <laughs> Sorry, it's so it's so dark, but it makes me laugh so much. <laughs> All right. Oh, this chapter is about someone very not dying. Uh, so last time Bakugo, yeah, his heart was so gonna not be working no more until Edshot said, "It's fine, guys. I've got this. I'll just make myself really, 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 really small, and I'll stitch it together." And uh, the first couple of pages are um, him doing that. I, I, they like have to give an explanation about Ed Shot's quirk because you're like, yeah. I don't remember what he did. <laughs> he was a ninja. That's all I remember. Mm-hmm. And they had to explain like, oh, we can get his things thinner and thinner and thinner. And then Ed Shot's like, ah, yes. Well, to explain the obvious plot hole of you know doing delicate surgery while having just been in the heat of battle i shall use one of washi's bubbles and with that i will sterilize my own body dot 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 yes before infiltrating this boy's innards and you're like there yeah. had to have been like you know there was a pr person like sitting down the base he's like mm, when we do the documentary that line's gonna be different we're we're gonna pitch something not as weird because that's a weird line to say <laughs> don't infiltrate any boy ever don't say <laughs> no reason for that line to be say it's like it's fine i shall you know. save this boy don't don't infiltrate him i shall save this boy's innards or something like that you don't even need innards just gonna be a hero just saying i i will say i wasn't going to say that i wasn't going to bring it up rather but yes, when I read this chapter the first time, I did things like, hmm, you probably shouldn't have said that. So it's, I think it's, it's justified weird. that you're bringing it up. So, uh, yeah, um, I also like that there is this that there is this uh, big deal of like, oh, yes, yes. The the realism of like, you have to make sure that you're sterilized while you're going inside of Bakugo's body when you shrink yourself down to, you know, impossible cell-like thinness in order to stitch him back together. Yes, make sure that you wash your hands Using first. your ninja powers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> your ninja superhero powers, yes. Uh, all for one, Shigaraki gets really, really pissed off when he sees that Bakugo is being brought back uh, and just starts ranting, I already destroyed that one! I already destroyed that one! Uh, and uh, goes... Love that moment because it's heavy stuff. It's like that one. I already destroyed that one. I and he just gets really like he's like I already destroyed that one. And it's like oh that's kind of a cool like villain breaking moment of him being yeah. like the fuck you doing? I already broke that one. 
so Miruko comes charging in and kicks him in the face. Uh, all of the arms go everywhere. Uh, Shigaraki, all for one, uh, just takes this as her wanting to just be crushed. Uh, and her legs get chewed up and her arms get chewed up. And she just keeps on going. Uh, Best Genius, like, sends out some thread to, like, hold her limb stumps shut so that they don't bleed her out. And she just keeps on charging around and fighting. Um, because she is just kind of crazy like that, basically. We don't do, like a least viable character of the week uh like thing at the end of the our our, our recap if we if we did it would be America this week for me i was like this this was a character moment that worked opposite of making me think Mirko was more cool i don't know why but i was like now i'm just concerned about her mm. <laughs> i'm like i think i feel like you need someone to talk to you in your life uh, I know this worked for a lot of people. Uh, I'm not going to yeah, say that horny it didn't. ones. I get it. Well, yeah, yeah. People who already like Mirko, yeah. But uh, I I will say that yes, the image of her doing this did make give me very big like oh oh she's she's crazy. Okay, like this, so this isn't heroically admirable against the face of all destruction. This is just like. I'm going to be ahead and I'm still going to bite your fucking dick off if I have to mm. or something like that. Um, and uh, Shigaraki off one uh, actually starts to feel, you know, panic o- over the assault, which, yeah, I kind of get that. Um, and uh, he and he thinks to himself like, wait, do I feel threatened by some background extra, which makes him look very cool. So cool that he refers to people by, you know, like in, in that, like, oh, I'm the main character kind of way. It makes him look seem so cool. I so, think so that nice. is an instance of all for one showing through because we know all for one is that basic that they would refer to other characters as NPCs. Yes. Yes. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's a clue. Uh, and there's also a very confusing moment during this match that I don't really, I I really just really just can't tell what's going on because stuff is moving very chaotically and Shigaraki's body literally in this moment does not make sense because of all the bulging that's going on. So I can't really even place it together, but there is a moment where Mirio is like phasing through him and putting his hands, I think in front of his eyes which I guess is kind of blinding him to some of Mirko's attacks, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely doing something like that. Uh, but anyway, Mirko charges in and, and she says, like, look, you know, that guy told me to win, so I'm just going to do that. Uh, and she just does a bunch of kicks uh, and knocks Shigaraki all for one backwards. Uh, and inside of his mind Shigaraki is just really really pissed off about how I've already destroyed all the heroes though so why are they coming back I wasn't broken back then but it's not like anybody reached out a helping hand to me it's not like anybody would even look at me 
uh, and he's also thinking about uh, his family, whom he all killed uh, and stuff. And now they're like manifesting inside of his mind space stuff, which is definitely a good thing. Maybe. Um, so I guess two little things. Uh, one, I guess we also, at least this is what I think. It's again, really hard to read, but when he does note, like that did sting a little, it looks like he's thinking to when Bakugo did that big speed boost and like got past him and hit him. So maybe this is him being like, Oh, I kind of acted like I tanked that, but I didn't. It turns out that that actually did fuck me up. So maybe Bakugo coming back is, is kind of a big deal. Uh, the second thing is there's like a big montage of what different characters are doing as like Shigaraki's doing it. And I don't know what Nezure's doing. It's like she's charging the ground or something like that. Like she has energy, but she's just like pushing it into the ground. So I don't know what she's doing, but she's she's doing it. God bless. <laughs> it's okay. I'm helping, guys. Yeah. Uh, this is a fine chapter. I said I don't love how like like absolutely feral Mirko has become and it's a little like uncomfortable just to see her have her arms and legs like just ripped off like this um but I guess it is kind of cool that she's like I'm gonna try to punch you with essentially what like remains of my body at this point uh it's not quite as cool as Toriko punching Tommy Rod with like just the stump of his arm at that point but it is it is kind of cool I guess uh yeah, well, we'll see what happens here. And it's also, I suppose, possible that the faces that are manifesting in Shigaraki's mind space are actually growing out of his body, even. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, his body is doing all sorts of weird growths and stuff like that. Uh, but it's one of those things where I guess it's just kind of like, okay, well, I guess we'll just kind of see where this leads to next time. Um, there was some crazy stuff that happened in this chapter, though. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that there wasn't. All right. Ready to move on. Let's talk about Undead Unluck. Number 125, 11 minutes. And we start with a color spread. That's like Fuko on one side, Andy on the other. And it was them before they met each other, when they met each other. And now it's a very cool color spread. And I I like seeing their character growth through that. Um. So we open with Andy again doing the infamous line. It's Lupin time. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Fugu goes on to explain, I'm doing this. Of course, because he does that, it's, it goes like, it's Lupin time. It's Lupin time. It's Lupin time. <laughs> um, Fuko re-explains, like, I'm doing this in my own free will. The two of us are going to be able to do this, even though I know there's going to be challenges. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, what she, she, she says, so what I'm trying to say, and she gets interrupted by Apocalypse, who, like, comes in and is just like, the loop you loser has been swapped out at long last. Oh, but to think it's been to some rookie. Have you lost your mind, Juez? Oh, well, I was getting tired of you anyway. At least try to die in style. And Juez is just like, oh. I've always loved you, Apocalypse. <laughs> like, what? No. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to say that. I am the Apocalypse Artifact. I make you all struggle in misery. She's like, no, oh, is that so? That's too bad. I've always considered you part of the team. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> he like, moves it. Like, he gets real soon soon. And he's like, hey, Fuko, there's some conditions to doing loop you have to do. Uh, they start by saying, the first is a large quantity of points. 
whenever you clear a quest or slay a UMA or capture one, you achieve points, and you don't have that many. So, too bad, so sad, you can't make it. And then Andy's like, points are transferable. And we see Victor has, like, taken over half of Andy's body to just say, Luna, transfer all my points to uh, Fuko. And we see the bean on the moon who we saw before when Juez did this move be like, okay, it's a deal. And you, they almost seem to be smiling a little bit. I can't remember if, they were, if we saw the mouth this much before. Uh, the bean... On the moon just says, this will be a turning point for everything. I shall see it through to the end. It makes them seem a lot less neutral. Yes. Uh, the kind of commentary that they provide. Absolutely. All the points are transferred to um, Fuko. And I'm just like, yep, you have enough points now. You are now qualified to sit in the first seat, which grants loop privileges. This whole thing explained so early on in this series about how the different seats are basically made up by the number of points you have, and anyone can lead Union, assuming they're the person with the most uh, points. And they're like, hey, uh, like, Fuko for a moment seems a little like, mm, they're like, oh, you're not satisfied? You're like, well, I, I realize you didn't gain these points on your own, but your hard work is what moved Victor. So come, this is your spot now. You are this organization's new boss. Fuko sits in the chair, little one Roman, Roman numeral has unjustice fizzle away and unluck take its place. And they're like, you're now the new leader. And uh, like Juez is in the middle of saying like, it's in your hands now. And Fuko just immediately gets up, hugs Juez. And is just like, I can't say, don't worry. I'm far too weak for that. But Mr. Victor told me once before that I was just like you. And I always wondered in what way. But he said it's because I was a stumpy little idiot with a tanuki face and I was heedless of danger that when it came to helping those I cherish and that I was willing to bet it all for them. But that spirit, that soul, that was what I had. So I know that much is true. And it's thanks to Union I got to be this way. So thank you for all you've done. And U.S. starts crying and says we share another similarity as well. We're both crybabies. Yeah, very, very sweet. Uh, Juez puts her helmet on. She's like, I have a job to do. So, you know, take care of it from here. Uh, Apocalypse says, ah, yes, this table houses the most seats it's ever had. 11, which means it will be 11 minutes till it's fully charged. 11 minutes till Ark mobilizes. You'll need to endure God's attack Ragnarok in the meantime. And Juez just says, I'm so happy. Up until now, I would always sit and watch my allies venture off to their demises. But now, I can actually fight. I'll be off now, boss. I will risk my life along with the others to ensure that you go through the loop. Juiz looks so cool in this chapter. She looks extremely cool. I, for my emotional sake, really hope next chapter, just like, and it was a very intense 11 minutes, but you don't have to watch all your favorite characters mm. die. <laughs> they did it. Yeah. Everyone brace yourselves. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm really hoping it doesn't tear me apart, but there's a good chance it might. Yeah. Uh, I This is definitely like a big emotional moment just before the big, you know, the big moment of yeah. starting the final loop. Uh, it was very cool. 
Uh, we've had a lot of just like big emotional things happen as we get a lot of emotional closure between characters. And I think that this might be the end of it before we just get some intense action and some gruesome action. So, yeah, I, th- I, I don't think we're going to dwell on it. They, they seem to in- intentionally kind of pull away before, but I just don't want to see characters. I like have to die, even though yeah. I know that's going to be what happens. But we're going to see. I'm going to be strong for them, just like they're going to be strong for each other. That's right. That's Maybe right. It's just a, like a, a, a like two chapters where they just punch a bunch of bad guys straight and they're like, we did it. And then Fuku flashes off. Oh, all right. Do we have uh, Kaiju next? We do have Kaiju number eight. Yep. All right. Kaiju number eight, chapter 69. Nice, nice, nice. So there is uh, a news report that happens. Uh, people are indicating that it's been three months since that string of weird cases all involving kaiju. Uh, we see that uh, a, a mother is uh, very concerned about this, but her daughter has got these pigtails like, it's okay, mommy. Even if kaiju number nine shows up, I am positive that Mr. Kaiju man will take care of him again. And she's drawing a picture of of, of, of of Kafka in his kaiju form, going, yeah. ah! It's cute. She really emphasized the pecs, too. I appreciate that. You know? Yeah, yeah. She, she made sure to get those in Not there. Not the abs. That's unfortunate. But, you know, no. kids, they don't understand how many abs there are. Nah, nah. It sneaks up she's, on you sometimes. She... It's okay. She'll take some life drawing classes and then she'll, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, She's got a bright know. future ahead of her. I know that. Yeah, that's right. She won't die in a, ki- in a kaiju accident. Okay. So uh, we see that there is uh, this kind of earthquake almost happening uh, inside one of the bases. That's just the level of intensity of the uh, combat practice session that Narumi and Shinomi are having. They're just, you know, hitting each other with numbers weapons, basically. Uh, and we kind of we also uh, see that there's more stuff that's going on uh, in uh, some of the other divisions. And uh, of course, Kafka is training with Hoshina. They've just got like this really, really big uh, pad. Uh, and Kafka does a big punch while Hoshina is holding it. And it's like, hey, that was a good shot, huh? All that force I put into it. And Hoshina's like, your turn. Throws, the, throws it at him, sends him flying with the, with the strike. Okay, yeah, yeah, you need some more work, kid. And uh, it doesn't let Kafka feel full of himself for even a second. Yep. But uh, Kafka's like, oh, I'm going to make you, oh, I'm going to make you give me some credit. So he, they break for lunch, and uh, he goes up to the rooftop. And uh, as he is looking around for a good place to eat, he immediately sees Mina uh, eating by herself on a bench. And so uh, he's be like, I better go somewhere else. And uh, so, but he, but when he turns to uh, to walk away, uh, Mina says, "Hey, don't be shy." And so he goes and he sits it's on the like, bench. But without the tiger, you're not actually that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> The tiger somewhere I can't see them. It's on the bench on the other side of her. <laughs> it was on the other side of the building. That's why he was heading over there. He's like, I was next to the big cat. <laughs> that cat's way more interesting as a conversation partner. <laughs> I say that this is probably the only time uh Mina has had like an interesting conversation with somebody. So I guess mm. uh I guess maybe in the end Kafka picked the right move. So 
Kafka tries to to engage in some small talk. It's just like, oh, it's been a long time, huh? And Mina says, it's it's quiet, isn't it? And she says, you know, there are people out there who are all working, studying, playing, living. And I know that it's nothing more than the calm before the storm. But even so, as I sit here, it almost feels like the kaiju have been wiped out, doesn't it? And this makes Kafka think back to the kinds of stuff that they would say to each other when they were kids, when they would found to wipe out all the kaiju. Uh, and he starts to talk familiarly with her and he catches himself. He's like, oh, duh, yes, it, it does, ma'am. Uh, and Mia's just like, you can drop all that. Like, we're the only two here. Uh, and, you know, she says, like, you know, Kafka says, like, yeah, I mean, like, out there, nobody's game is getting broken. Nobody's cat is getting killed. These are the kind of days I wish would never end. Uh, and uh, Mina brings up, you know, when Kafka would be would do Kafka things when they were kids. Like, yeah, whenever there was an alarm, you would run all the way over from your other school building in order to come and get me. It was really embarrassing. And Kafka's like, well, yeah, but you were the vice captain of the Kafka Corps. And as captain, it was natural that I would worry about you. It's very sweet. Yes. Uh, and uh, Mina says, yeah, you were always at the very front, leading people, being everyone's captain. Even though I know you were scared yourself, you would always put on a smile and give people a reassurance. And we see, you know, like little Kafka, like kind of forcing a smile, giving a thumbs up the way that adult Kafka still does these days. And Mina says, you haven't changed. And she also says, you ended up saving the Tachikawa base. Hoshina told me about your decision. I've gotten stronger. I don't need to hide behind you anymore. So you don't have to bear the weight alone. We made a promise. We said that we would wipe out the Kaiju together. And Kaiju kind of nods and he does that sort of forced smile again while he looks at her and uh he says yeah we we sure did so mina turns and walks away and as soon as she's out of sight she thinks to herself he hasn't changed a bit and neither has that smile he flashes when he's pushing himself too far and she goes down the steps so uh, Kafka just thinks to himself, like, that he's just got to get stronger. That he's like, I've got to beat him in order for our for us to achieve that future that we want. But that's not the end of the chapter just oh, yet. Which is a shame, because that was a good moment. It was a good, good moment to end, uh, end on. But we've got another moment to end on, which is uh, we cut over to the Shinjuku Ward, and we see... There is this uh, this this young girl with with weird pigtails. Oh, uh, let's just to... call her. Uh, I guess any name will do. Shimikoru. Shimikoru. She does look a lot like Kikoru. <laughs> honestly, I, the first time I saw her, I was like, "Is Kikoru going under disguise?" I don't understand. Yeah. 
some guys approach her like, hey, you want to get a bite to eat? You can bring your friends. And the girl turns to look at them and says, sure thing. I, I was just about to call my friends. I love these dudes because that one dude was so excited. Like she turns and says, sure thing. And this, my guy's mouth was so, he was like, oh man, this never works. This never, he's like, I'm going to meet so many friends. He's so happy. He's like, Oh, she's a scary kaiju girl. And then, Not sure how I feel about this. Hang on. <laughs> Let me gauge how my excitement levels have changed. Yeah. He's like, hmm, do I really need both kidneys? Uh, and uh, she lances out with some sort of like webbed attack that just goes through every single person on the street around her. Uh, and she lets out this hideous scream as it turns out that she is actually the weird humanoid pigtail kaiju that we saw previously. And uh, as she lets out a scream, we get the introduction of the next episode of Kaiju Number 8, Episode 7, Cataclysms. Ooh. It's pretty crazy. Like, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, is this something to connect them? And then, like, you're, you're like, oh, there's a couple of people who have had arms severed. And then you're like, oh, that car windshield got punctured. Like, that actually is just ripping through. She just, just, she just killed, like, 12 people. Oh, yeah. So, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Uh. <sighs> Let's talk about Spy Family Nick. Yeah, and all right. All right. Look, I don't want to put anybody on blast. We caught a little we did we caught a tiny bit of heat after we talked about the prior chapter before this. From somebody did in this I'm not gonna mention a name. I'm just gonna say okay. there's a reason pirates are better. Wink wink. We caught a little bit of heat about how we were being very dismissive of the twist at the end of this because it was a very big deal. And I feel like uh it was I think because subconsciously we both knew this was probably gonna be the end result of it. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, so <laughs> we're not right often. We, I feel like this is one of the few times us being uh, dismissive was maybe not justified. Not blow up in our face, though. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, it's okay. Uh, because we shouldn't brag. Because if we do brag, then the very next prediction we make will blow up in our face. hundred <laughs> yeah, so percent. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's mission 67 part two, uh, two quote unquote government agents show up. Oh, it immediately turns out that it is, uh, Fiona and, and Frankie in disguise. Like, uh, we get, we get a few pages where, where, where the, 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 the pantomime is held up where, uh, Lloyd is shocked when they cuff him, but it's really just because, wait a minute, guys, this was a part of the plan. And he's kind of like whisper shouting at Frankie for, for doing this. And Frankie's just kind of like, Oh, what does he look at your face? Turns out he patched in and he intercepted the signal. And then, uh, she on approach him was like, here, you wear this disguise. And she wore the other disguise. Uh, and, uh, you know, while they're quote unquote interrogating Lloyd, uh, she reaches out and kind of grabs the head doctor and is like, Yeah, this guy told us where we could find this in your desk. And Lloyd acts all shocked. Uh, and essentially they turn it around to make it out like, Oh, well, yeah, the, the, this, the way that this is typed up, it, it, this was clearly written up with an old typewriter. And the only person who uses a typewriter like that in the hospital is 
is the head doctor. <gasps> ah! So they start interrogating him instead and turn the tables on him. Lloyd gives this big indicate, you know, like, no, no, he's clearly a good person. You should let him know. And uh, then, so the quote unquote, the two people from the government leave him and leave them alone. And so he's very grateful to Lloyd and decides to, you know, let up on him. Yay, nice. And um, they, they, they leave. Anyway, Lloyd gets home that night, and the highlight of the chapter is Anya thinking about how she could be friends with Damien and thinking really hard and getting and getting and hurting her head because she's anguishing over how to, how to make this happen. Bond looks really happy as he sleeps there, even though he's a little confused. He doesn't really get what's going on, but, you know, he's trying. <laughs> Good for him. Let's talk about World Trigger next. I have nothing yeah. else to say about the chapter. Yeah, okay. the chapter. It's, it's fine. Uh, World Trigger, chapter 225, Katori Squad, part two. Finally get a Katori Squad chapter. Uh, Katori was sort of, like, very non-responsive as, like, the cliffhanger last week. Uh, particularly after seeing the scores and everyone's just like hey what's going on is she dead like, what happened everyone's just like hey do uh, say something or i'm going to tickle you and katori just says poopy 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 <laughs> and i was like cool man <laughs> i love it uh we remember about uh, or osamu remembers uh what sue had said earlier they's like oh they say when she's in a bad mood like she won't even talk to you and they're like shit that's probably what's going on so sue was like hey katori you still up for making dinner poopy he's like all right i'm gonna handle dinner <laughs> i'll take care of it uh and osamu's like no don't worry about it I'll, I'll handle it and thanks to everyone's help i managed to catch up so i'll take care of it uh the operator that's helping him whose name i've forgotten it's like i'll help you too uh, we cut over to Wakamura, who's like, shit, we're in last place again. This is really bad. Uh, we did really bad in the matches, although we did win two. We did win one of them and then had a couple draws. And that was entirely because Husei took over. When I was leading it, it was almost all losses. So, like, maybe if I'd been in command the whole time, we'd been in even worse shape. We're long since, like, past the point of caring about our reputation or appearances. We just got to do whatever we can to bring up our score just by a little bit. So he's like, hey, I think we should try what Husei suggested on day one, which was basically, like, what if one of us just answers the question and then shares the answers with everybody else? And they're like, oh, okay. Um, that's fine, but we've only got around, like, a third of the universal assignments left to go. And the order to be solving and submitting the problems would be, like out of order but i i guess we could still give it a try wakamore is like damn it damn it i'm so dumb why <laughs> this only would have worked i'm if we so started. bad at this <laughs> i'm so bad at even cheating i suck oh <laughs> you feel for him you really do uh and he's just like it's like you know kids today you know the, the zoomers and stuff they understand how to how to you know uh i get it get have the ideal optimized approach to quote unquote cheating at homework like they get the you know the google doc open and everyone's contributing to it all at once they've, they've got this shit figured out but you know wakamura he's you know he's technically actually from the previous generation yeah. because world trigger's been going on so long so he's actually technically just oh, a late yeah. millennial he's, he's not he's he does he has he hasn't mastered this technology yet so yeah, he's, he's like just, google docs you guys don't use microsoft word they're just like microsoft Word. what are you an old man 
he's still thinking about this in terms of, oh, I guess we'll go to study hall and I'll copy stuff ahead of time, uh, just ahead of the class. Like, no, 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 no. There's way more efficient means of doing this, guys. Yeah. Uh, he's explaining, he's like, everyone's contributing, offering suggestions, but when push, push comes to shove, I get scared and I choose the path of least resistance. And now that I think about it, even if, even if it isn't always the best decision, she usually decided quickly and took immediate action. Thank you, Dekatori. We cut back over to Sue Scott. Everyone's like, hey, Katori, are you going to eat anything? Like, you really need to eat food. And they're like, I just guess we wrap up the leftovers. And so it was, all right, let's talk strategy. And I'm like, can we? If she's like this, he's like, well, she can hear us, can't she? Like, well, I think if we just decide to have our, like, it was almost like, if we just have our meeting around her, like, she's like this, it's going to reflect really, really poorly on us to our judges. Like, we're basically speaking to, like, a catatonic corpse. So, like, hey, we should do it. And then Katori, like, raises up like a zombie and is like, I'm going to bed and just shuffles off and, like, huh, did something happen that made things worse? And, uh, the dude with the visor whose name i've forgotten is like mm-hmm. what, do, what do we what do we do so it was like i guess we just leave her alone but we we need her strength so i don't know Osamu pops in he's like hey do you mind if i make a couple calls uh so all right he goes out and makes calls he immediately calls uh the operator for katori squad i don't remember her name either unfortunately hana i think or something like that and she's like hey I can't help you. And someone's like, I totally get it. We're in a competition. She's like, no, no, I, that's not what I mean. If we have this conversation, I might end up speaking about Katori's personality. And I'd rather not do that about, uh, behind her back. And I realized that it might be for her own benefit to give you advice, but I'd just rather not. And someone's like, no, that's okay. Totally get it. I put you in kind of a weird situation. And she's like, Hey, the other two members might be more helpful. Why don't you try giving them a call? Uh, Calls up Wakamura, and you know by the nature of him being the second one called, he's not the one to give an answer. <laughs> right. It, he's just like, oh, I should have seen this coming. Anyway, I can't really tell anyone any much. Like, it would be helping like a rival team or anything Listen, like that. Listen, I've just been down on myself for being an idiot about everything today, so... I'm just going to not trust myself to give you any good advice. <laughs> I've been taking a lot of walks since this competition started. <laughs> I kind of don't feel like taking any more shots. You know what I'm saying? I don't really, I don't really want to throw any more pitches out. Um, yeah, why don't you try calling Yuda? So finally ends up calling Yuda. He's like, oh, okay. So when you go start acting like this, what was your squad's mood at the whole time? And he's like, I've asked because Yoko doesn't let it get to her when she's not doing so hot herself. But it hits her much harder when her squad is having trouble. And Usama's like, well, our squad's been kind of, like, steadily improving. So, like, I don't think that could be the case. And he's like, hmm, well, I don't know. And Usama's like, well, I kind of feel like I'm dragging everyone down. Maybe that's stressing around. He's like, eh, I don't think that's the case. She sure gets ticked off when I screw up. But that alone has never been the source of one of her bad moods. In fact, I'd say the kind that's the kind of thing that fires her up more, even if she complains about it. So I'm not really sure what it is. It does seem to be pretty indicative that she's really bummed about particularly Wakamura squad's placement uh, or Wakamura's team's placement, rather. So Yuta's just like, all right, I mean, there's not really anything you can do to fix it. Like, Yoko's definitely smart, but she thinks with her heart more than her head, so logic can't, like, win out. And he's like, oh, and there's one thing you need to understand she doesn't want to end up in one of her moods. 
She doesn't act this way by choice, and she can't shake herself out of it. She thinks she can't do anything but clam up and shut other people out. It's like, if she could escape the mad, the bad mood, she would do it in a heartbeat. I, I truly believe that. But maybe you could arrange some sort of distraction to snap her out of it. Like, stealthily placing something sweet in her vicinity sometimes is all it takes. Uh, so... <laughs> They try it. They try to, like, just have candy next to her in a big mug. And they're like, well, what else could get Katori's attention? And they're like, uh, Pfizer guy's like, the only thing I could think of is Karasuma. And she was like, yep, Karasuma. So I was like, why? And they're like, oh, because Katori's a major fangirl of his. It's like a well known fact. She doesn't even bother to hide it. In fact, most of Border HQ is a huge Karasuma fan. Like, they say that's the reason why he had to move, because he was threatening the Kido and Shinoda factions with his popularity. And uh, so it's just like, you're his mentee, right, Mukumo? Like, maybe you could arrange a date for her in exchange, like, just in exchange. And he's like, huh, that doesn't seem like a big deal, so I guess I can give it a try. And immediately, like, Katori's, like, latched onto him. She's like, for real? And the best part, like, he's just like, yeah, I mean, I could definitely, yeah, she's like, she said yes, everyone heard it, he said yes. And it cuts over <laughs> to Konami, who's like, it looks like your mentee just sold you out and sold you off. And Kurosuma's like, if it helps Osamu out on the big mission, then it's fine. Like, God bless him, man. Good older brother, because... That's wild. Uh, and immediately, uh, Katori just like drops a bunch of like cookies or something. I don't know. She just drops a bunch of. She's like, "Are you goose gonna stand around there spacing out?" That's her shirt. Oh, huh. Good for her. That's a fun shirt. I thought she took a bunch of the candies from what's her name and was just dropping them. She's like, "You guys gonna stand around there? Let's get to strategies." So it looks like a date with Scruffy Hottie snapped her out of it. What a chapter. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I forgot to read this. I feel so bad because <laughs> it's it's so different from just like, like well, yeah, the battle strategy didn't work. <laughs> they don't just analyze like question responses for thirty pages. There actually is like some kind of narrative through line, which is sweet. Yeah, actual character stuff going on. I appreciate that. Cool. Yeah, let's talk about Eden Zero, <laughs> Chapter Two Hundred Six, Traitor. 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 Um, we have Jin on the cover, and he's like his robot ninja form. Don't forget, Nick, he's a robot ninja. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went to robot ninja school. Mm-hmm. So everyone is like, "Oh my God, is Clean alive? Like things are looking really bad. Dead end crow fires another blast. The Eden Zero can't really dodge it. They're kind of on the back end of it. And uh, Holy's like, "This is bad. What happened to Clean?" Uh. And Holy's like, fuck off. You or not fuck off. She's actually pretty nice about it. She's like, you guys go. I'll manage things here on my own. And Jin's like, no, I will continue the mission. She's like, aren't you worried about your sister? And he's like, of course I'm worried, but I promised. And he goes into a flashback that he had with Clean right before I guess all this happened, yeah, where yeah. Clean's like, I want you to go because I looked into Holy's backstory and I found out she had a sister who died. And that's always a shame. A person needs family and Holy needs family. And I guess she has some kind of character quirk that maybe I've forgotten where she doesn't call Holy Holy. She calls her like Holily. Uh, so yeah, she's like, hey, if she boarded this ship, then she's our family now. So you got to do it. So Jin destroys a robot using his ninja arts. He's like, I'm a robot ninja. So that doesn't use ether gear at all, I guess. 
use an entirely different power source. Who knows? So you go do it. And then Holy's like, where's Laguna? And Jin's like, he's already on his way to clean because we're a family. We know how to do it. Hamora's gotten in her battle suit. She's grabbed up yep. the tanks full of mom, the mom tanks. And she's like, all right, I'm going to take this back to ship. What are you guys going to do? And I'm like, we're just going to wait for instructions to start Operation Planet Eater, basically. And she's like, all right, cool. She flies off. And we get an ominous shot of Pino. And Rebecca is like, it's so Sir. dumb. <laughs> is it Rebecca? Yeah, Rebecca is like, Pino, what's wrong? You're awfully quiet. And she's like, Master Ziggy knew about Operation Planet Eater. And Mr. Wise, you asked if one of us was a traitor. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forget I say anything. And Pino's like, the traitor was me. And like an ominous face. And everyone's shocked. And then it's like, oh, yeah, because he like went into my back end data and found out what's going on. I didn't. He touch. hacked into me. Yeah. yeah, I didn't actually betray anyone. I, I still am allied with you guys, but. Yeah. It's just like a weird, like half a page setup to like, oh, they're like, no, she didn't. No, that that, that, no, no. Uh, she's that, very, very sorry. She's like, this is really bad. I'm going to have to go find my master. Everyone's like, well, that's not a great idea. Shiki's fighting him right now that you're, you'll almost certainly be in danger. And she's like, no, this information leak was my fault. But while looking at the data, I discovered a certain record. That will be the key to defeating Master Ziggy. And then we cut. Whoosh. Kaboom. Go whoosh. Smash. Kapow. Impact. Bolt. Boosh. Pow. And then we cut back over. They just had a bunch of like fight sound effects for a while. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. We cut back over inside Dead End Crow. And and Jin is like, I think I found a gap there. There's a lot of energy coming out of it. You should go in there holy. And we get like a couple pages of holy having to squeeze between cables that I guess have like. The just enough give to kind of make it like a sexual alert. That guy just can't understand the physics of these cables. It's like she's trying to break through a crate, like a cave wall that's compact. Yeah, it's 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 a weird moment where it's like, oh, I guess there's another fetish that you discovered there, hero. Yeah, because you're having this woman in a tight bodysuit slash no clothes do it. So yeah, but she gets through and she arrives in a room and she's like, ah, <gasps> and someone's like. I'm surprised you made it this far, Holy. Cure? Cure? Why are you there? Nick, this chapter was about traitor. We thought it was Pino, but the traitor was Cure. Cure from the the Eurasian 6 Galactica or Interstellar. I can't remember which one. The police one. Is he? Is is he? Cure, Nick, the big important man. We haven't seen him do anything. In fact, to this point, he's like kind of the the single member who's done nothing. But he's the traitor. Okay. He might be dead. He might be dead end crow. This is Nick. This shatters everything we do. Oh, all this lore has got to be rewritten now because Cure is here. Yeah, Cure. This is cra- this upended everything. Like, I feel like we've got to like. Let- I thought the story was like this. <clears throat> it turns out it's like this. Everything just flipped <laughs> upside down. I don't know what way it's up. How do I even drink out of this now? I can't. Like that's cra- a- the functions completely changed. It's <laughs> an amazing visual metaphor. <laughs> It's like you've you've completely flipped over the shell, but the contents remain the exact same. It's crazy. <laughs> Everything's changed. I, I don't know how to describe 
my dull disgust for this chapter. <laughs> that is the exact, like, I finished this chapter and my only response was like a loud guttural blah. Like, I was just like, who? <laughs> Fine. Like, nothing was actively necessarily wrong about the chapter. Like, Jin gives a fine speech. Family, blah, blah, blah. Family. Yeah. That is kind of what it is like right there. Is that's the first half of this chapter. It's like a very lame, generic speech about we're family, and yeah. that's it. Then we get this whole thing is like, oh, by the way, there is some progress being made with like moving the moms, which is still just a funny thought to me. You gotta grab up these moms. <laughs> you gotta move all these moms. And then we get the worst quote unquote traitor reveal ever. Which I'm the traitor. Not really, though. Like, I have to... Any time that we have, like, a betrayal in anime that's, like, lame or doesn't make sense, we're going to have to, like, put it up another tick because this is so lame. Just no dedication, no follow-through. The traitor was me, but not really... (laughs) Couldn't even hold it in for a page. Like, well, I guess it's better than, like, had it been so much more infuriating if that was the end of a chapter. I'm the traitor. And you're like, what? And the next chapter, she's like, accident, he acted into me. Like, fuck off. I know you're supposed to be like a child, but I fucking hate you right now. Uh, and then this character that we don't care about is apparently actually a traitor. Okay, yeah. fine. I haven't met them before. Why would I care about it? Legitimately, I think Kiara has done nothing in the series. Like, at least uh, Feather was like, oh, they were the one who chased Cheeky and the crew out of uh, Grand Blue or whatever the name of the, like, the planet was with the guild. I was like, they haven't done a lot, but they've at least been present in the story. Eraser showed up to destroy a bunch of that stuff. Bob Lucci died for us, you know, great hero yeah, Bob sure. Lucci. So, yeah, that was his name too. Yeah, that was his name. His exact name. Uh, Justice is there, and then and then Holy's here. Like we know the other five. This is the one no one has done anything about. And it's like holy shit, I guess. But, oh uh, man, I guess he's not actually working with them. All right. <clears throat> I guess maybe if you're really really hyped on Eden Zero, just like the status, I guess, of these characters. But it, I don't know. I feel like Eden Zero has kind of dropped the ball a lot of times and telling you something that's going to be cool, and then it's just like not. So I don't know if you can get that excited by being like, well, I wonder what the last Interstellar member is going to do. And you're just like, I don't know, probably fucking die. Who cares? <laughs> you <laughs> suck. All right. Let's move over to Akane Banashi. Chapter let's 28. I'm glad. Uh, we get a uh, cover page that shows the uh, three finalists for the uh, rookie comp contest, uh, all doing casual stuff. So well, I like how we, it's like, oh, he plays video games. She likes to relax by the pool. Connie just kind of naps. Yeah. She naps. Yeah. yeah, I do too. No, she's not doing rock ago. Yeah, she's doing that rock ago. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so we open the chapter with Isho Arakawa uh, just saying to Akane, "I am in a state of mourning. The days when Rakugoko were front and center in the media are long in the past." Very few people today can name even 10 Rakugoka. And I love that, like, we've probably met fewer than 10 Rakugoka in this series. So <laughs> I guess that matches up. Um, but he also gets into, you know, the 
the, the problem of like the golden age of uh, the new golden age of television is like there's too much shit. There's too much entertainment out there. People are drawn to too many different things uh, and have too much choice. And because of that, uh, the amount of effort that each creative discipline needs to put into attracting an audience is unfathomable. And he asks of Akane, what do you think is asked of today's Rakugoka to help advance and grow the culture of Rakugo? And she thinks back to what she would feel when she would watch her dad perform secretly. And she says, kind of sadly, an act that entrances those who watch it. And Isho says this is correct. It is a disciplined, polished, overpowering performance that moves, excites, and invigorates an audience. At the same time, one to accept an inexperienced performer, even once... It would lower the quality of the art and cause the culture to stagnate. That is why the Shiruchi of the Arakawa school are required to have the power and skill to make the masses sit up and take notice. Those who cannot even believe in their own art are not meant to climb our lofty peak. And Akane says, that's a really arrogant remark. And Isho says, of course it is. Rakugoka are not just entertainers. We are the keepers of a traditional art. We preserve and protect the arts we inherited from our forebears and pass them down to the next generation. That is the calling of every Rakugoka today. Arakawa does not need anyone who would weaken Rakugo. This whole time, that one journalist has been secretly listening in, and he is taking notes about this. I love it. Everyone else was like, I'm going to leave you. This dude's like, fuck that. This is the fucking story of the goddamn century. Hell yeah. I write for a fucking rock ago newspaper, man. Like, I need a story. We don't get many water gates, and this is it. So. Uh, and so he's thinking to himself, like, yeah, I mean, like, it's a really harsh stance, but I get it. He's trying to protect the culture of Rakugo. He's got a lot of pride on them on this, and he's terrifying because even though he is protecting the culture, it's hard to process how cruel he's being to the apprentice of one of his fellows. And he's truly a demon living for the sake of his art. What a badass way of describing someone. That's so cool. Yeah. Back inside the room, Akane clenches her fists and she says, I'm glad that you had a purpose and a conviction behind your decision and that it wasn't just a whim or an act, not something stupid like that. But what I'm most glad about after all of this is that I still believe in my dad's art. I'm going to use that art that you cut loose and make you admit you were wrong. And then she gets up to leave. And as she does, Isha says, I'm glad to. That's exactly what I was hoping for. So we're not done yet. We uh, cut over to Hikaru, who is waiting in her car to leave the competition. And she's feeling really down on herself because she realizes in this moment that there was no competition between herself and Akane. Akane was leagues ahead of her. But as she's sitting there feeling bad about that, she's approached by the mustached judge, Iken Arakawa. And uh, he's like, ah, I see you're the type that hates to lose, aren't you? 
but we cut away from that to uh, where Kareshi is talking with um, uh, his friend, I guess. Uh, and uh, he asks, who's a famous classical Rakugoka aside from Isho? And his friend recommends, well, I guess there's uh, Haja Kensho, the guardian of truth. Uh, and uh, he also talks about Master Enso. I, I guess it's, it's the same it's, person. It's the same person. It's the same person. Master Enso Sanmete. Uh, and uh, so they, they go over that. Uh, and uh, then we get um, God, the MC, whose name I still haven't memorized, approaches the show and, and he says, I thought you did splendidly, Master. Uh, but the show says, hey, why didn't you tell me about that girl? I know you knew who whose apprentice she was. And uh, Kaisei says, well, I thought you might enjoy watching her more this way. And he shows like, don't get clever with me. Don't get cute, boy. Fuck you. <laughs> Um, but she says, but he says, regardless of who it is, all I watch is the art. And that goes for you too, of course. Uh, he then goes on to say, curse him. Shigama's style still chasing illusions, huh? But will she have the quality to live up to that standard? And that is where the chapter ends. As, uh, Isho is saying, Kind, say this kind of evilly, uh, but but is like, will she live up to that standard? So, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I like that this is some cool setup. Uh, we are getting, I guess, these new mentor characters for what I assume are going to be kind of like our main rivals throughout this series, or at least the the rivals these characters will have right now. And I think that's a cool sort of mm -hmm. setup. It looks like both of them have had a different master take interest in them, and I'll be curious to see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, and then I like the conversation that just happened between Akane and Arakawa, where it's just her being like, I'm glad you had like a purpose behind all your shit. I'm going to prove you wrong, but I'm glad you yeah. didn't just like not like fucking ruin my dad's life on like some shitty whim or anything like that. So that's cool. And him just being like, all right, well, I hope she can actually put up or shut up. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's going to yeah. be, she talks a big game right now. Let's see what happens when it's time for you to try to advance up to the next level. Yeah, I like how she basically says, like, I'm glad that this wasn't just uh for me, it was Tuesday moments, you know, yeah. <laughs> there was an actual reason why you did it. And now that because of that, I can prove you wrong. So. All right. <sighs> aliens area. Let's talk about Arians, aliens area, Nick. Number 13, night burning Akabane. I don't remember this chapter. So, uh, I mean, uh, I could blaze through it real quick. Uh, she go ahead. She reveals the the bar patron lady reveals that she was a member of A3, which was like sort of like an anti aliens alliance group and all about the implants that have been done and things like that. And she goes on to explain like, oh, she was in it until she eventually left because she fell in love with an alien and she was going to rescue that alien. And she did. And they kind of escape it like oh hey the other alien stopped me like hey could you not ask her any more questions she like kind of it's like her birthday and she said like the person she loved would come back for her on her birthday but he hasn't for years it's kind of like a special night you know it's like 14 light years between them like it's crazy 
and uh, whatever mentor character dude's just like, I never promised I'd let you go in exchange for the information. They're just like, fuck you. Here's some information. Like, just take it and go. And he's just like, fine. I hate romance anyway. This sucks. You have like a sad story and then they leave. And then like, as they're walking, they're like, hey, that guy went into that bar. And then the bar explodes and they killed everybody. And you're like, cool. I'm glad I got to know and like these characters before you set them on fire because the series is about to end. <laughs> Oh, I guess he came, he, he came back and burned them all. <laughs> That's depressing. Well, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about a series where love is blossoming in a different way. <laughs> yes, Blue Box Chapter Sixty Seven: A Chance to Blossom. Ooh. Uh, so last time. Jinatsu fully admitted to Karen that, uh, yeah, uh, there, there was some that she was interested in. And to avoid any potential miscommunication or uh, misinterpretation of her words, Karen Flout says right away, is that person Inomata? Thank God. Thank I love yeah, Karen. She's immediately. the best. Like, I'm like, thank God you immediately came in like, let's answer this question. <laughs> yeah. And Jinatsu says, yes. And Karen says, oh, so you like him and shinatsu in very shinatsu fashion looks at karen and she looks you know kind of like blank yet also determined like she often does and says no i wouldn't say that yet Which karen's like wait what, what? what were you talking about, you talking about? <laughs> and shinatsu says okay how do i explain this it's like growing a flower see my interest in him is like a seedling popping out of the dirt. And when I used to see him at morning practice, I would just kind of think, oh, that kid's here a lot. But then as we started talking and I got to know him, then my thoughts shifted to, oh, he's a nice guy. And then the bud sprouted. And now every time I think about how nice he is, that plant grows bigger and bigger. I love but it. I'm really focused on basketball. I love <laughs> this fucking visual where she's like watering a little plant and then the next shots are being like, wee, and basketballing away. And then the next shots are like, huh. <laughs> oh, wow, there's a, there's a plant here that's growing. Huh. <laughs> uh, and so she's like, oh, so because of that, the flower hasn't blossomed yet. Uh, and so Karen's like, okay, okay, I've got the metaphor now. I, I get it. I get, I get what she's saying. Okay. Um. But Chinatsu admits that when she saw uh, Hina and Taiki not kiss during the play, that rattled me. So Karen thinks to herself for a second, and she says, okay, I'm not one to fall for people that easily either, so I kind of get what you're going through. Uh, But that kind of stuff about whether they kissed or not, I mean, it doesn't matter that it was an accident. The moment those kinds of rumors start flying around, yeah, it's all just nonsense. Uh, and basically, she's saying that if it were her in that circumstance, she would have, like, destroyed the bud and just <laughs> cut it off right there uh, to protect herself, I guess. But she says, when you look at different people, the moment when the bud sprouted, as you put it, some would say that is falling in love. It's, you know, it's different for everyone. I'm not saying that any one way of looking at it is right or wrong. I think how fast someone falls in love comes down to who they are. And you're not the type who wants a boyfriend and then decides to fall in love. I think you're really cautious about it. But I understand how you still don't feel that you can say you like Inamata. Mm-hmm. But while you're saying that, 
there is a possibility that someone could swoop in and snatch him away. Uh, and uh, Tunatsu's like, eh, that's not nice. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm being serious. Like, I want you to be happy and, and find someone that you love and you ha- to have a wonderful love with them. And I don't know when that's going to happen. But if the time comes when you feel you love someone, I want you to acknowledge that feeling. And uh, Shinatsu seems to kind of be taken off her guard by this, but she's like, okay. It's a very nice big sister moment, I think. I love this conversation between them, like in a way of Shinatsu explaining her thoughts and Karen understanding it. And then also kind of being like, I I do want to present a reality to you too. Like, I know you kind of do things at your own pace, but like Taiki is also a person with his own autonomy if you don't make it clear what you feel, there's a chance someone like he might fall in love with someone else. Just throwing that out there. I really like it. Yeah. And uh, so they go over that and um, they they just you know, are kind of like quiet while like sitting next to each other. And Karen's thinking about how she feels about what she was told her and what she, her friend is going through. And then she says. I wish my little sister could take a page out of your book. And Chianas is like, well, why? Well, she's a serial monogamous. She's always dating around. She said she dumped her boyfriend last, uh, her last boyfriend because he walked too fast. Uh, and who should come through the door into the bedroom at that moment? But her little sister. Oh, way. It's the girl that we've been seeing little bits and pieces of in the last several chapters. Wouldn't you know it? Uh, she kind of just barges in because she wants to borrow Karen's uh, nail polish remover. Uh, and she's like, I already gave it to you, Ayame. Uh, but Ayame just sees that Chinatsu's there and she's like, Hey, you're here! You're so pretty! <laughs> so, um, uh, they, uh, Karen brings up, Didn't you have a date with your boyfriend today? And Ayame's like, Yeah, I broke up with him. See, every time he went to a cafe, the barista could never tell whether he was asking for a medium or a large. He should speak more clearly. Because <laughs> uh, this is obviously trying to set up that she might try to get with Taiki, and I am so worried about our boy, because I'm like, he has so many flaws <laughs> that this girl might get with him and just shatter his heart immediately. She's going to be like, ew, what? Why did you scream I didn't kiss her, trip, and run away? This is all I'm going to break up with you in the most public way possible. <laughs> You didn't run away fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And yeah, she's just like, hey, it's okay. Don't worry about me. I found another guy to pine over. And Karen just says to Shinatsu, yeah, um, please do not use this girl as a reference for how to live your love life. (laughs) Um, So uh, we kind of cut away from there. Uh, Shinatsu, you know. If this chapter had ended here then too. I would have already been like an amazing chapter because I feel like so much content happened in it. Oh yeah. To find out such like, a oh, conversation. No. Yeah. Like, no, there's still like five more pages. of This is a series left. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. All right. This is an extra long chapter. Yeah. Uh, so Chinatsu, you know, goes back to stay with Taiki's family and everyone's like, Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. We missed you. It's really sweet. Uh, but Taiki and Chinatsu kind of look at each other and there is like some awkwardness before uh, the family comes in and they're like, okay, well, let's move all your stuff inside and stuff. 
Uh, Taiki thinks to himself that he's got no idea what's going on in Junatsu's head. Junatsu, of course, is dealing with these new feelings and everything. Uh, next day, Taiki is at badminton practice. Hina comes up to him and says, hey, uh, they want you to give these club funds to the seniors. Uh, and um, they're, they have just kind of like a little bit of banter about the fact that, you know, Taiki's uh, racket's kind of busted. Uh, but while they're just kind of talking about it, some people are talking about them because they're like, oh, it's, it's the couple, it's the couple, it's the couple. And Hina just looks completely unfazed by this. Uh, she says, hey, don't let them get to you. No. You know, I've thought of a way to work the rumors in my favor. And Taiki's like, what are you talking about? And she looks at him while kind of blushing and she says, it's up to Taiki to make it a reality whenever he wants. And Taiki's like, ah! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> And Hina says, yep, I've got no problems now. <laughs> She's like, I've solved everything. <laughs> Just put all that pressure on him. Uh-huh. Uh, so Taiki's the, you know, just kind of like left alone while she walks off. Kyo comes up to him and Taiki says, don't say anything. And Kyo's like, I wasn't gonna. It's like, yeah, we know, Kyo. We know, we know. Kyo, but, Kyo, Kyo. So the team all lines up uh, at the end of Batman practice uh, and Taiki's thinking so, to himself, okay, festival's over now. I got to focus on Batman again uh, and I need to improve if I can in order to have any hope of beating Yusa again. And at that moment, the captain says that starting today, the Batman club's got a new member. They're not a player. Bum, it's their new manager, Ayame. <laughs> Bomb, bomb, dramatic reverb. So the implication does seem to be that Ayame uh, is going after Taiki because yes. she thinks that he's interesting and she thinks he's kind of hot. Uh, and she even apparently went so far as to join the volleyball, the badminton rather club, just to be close to him. Yeah, so, which makes 100% sense for what we know about this character and that she just kind of goes after guys. Just until, goes for like, it. They're not interested in her anymore. So I, I I like this. I'm very intrigued to see where this goes because I, I feel like there's a lot of potential room for exploration in that relationship. Uh, and I kind of like Ayami as a character is sort of like this pseudo antagonist who like doesn't seem to have a lot of depth to her yet. And I, I feel like we're we're going to find it before long but she is oh she's gonna stir so much shit up in the meantime yes. like she is she's a tornado just colliding through this entire fucking like calm peaceful high school life this is kind of like what we've what we've become as a result of bringing this series into the show just being like yes yes more dramatic twists dance, a shit stir has entered this dance <laughs> as opposed to be like oh another character so. yeah I thought this was a phenomenal chapter. This is great. Yeah, lots of different awesome stuff happened in this chapter. It was great. Let's talk All about... Right. B- 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 wait. I've got a puzzle for you, Quinn. For me. Okay. I have to, I, I have to say, it, it took me... It, it was kind of hard to come up with this one because every time I tra- started thinking about wrestling this week, I just started thinking about a steel biting Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> what a like, wild oh. month of wrestling it Jesus has been. Christ. 
how was the big story it's not supposed to be all the stuff that happened during like the wrestling shows this weekend <laughs> god damn it oh god if you have no idea what i'm talking about good uh so <laughs> i this Here's... is like sadly to this was the first aew pay-per-view i haven't picked up in a while just because i was so busy and a part of me's just like I might have made the right call on that part. It was so good, too. Like, it was such a satisfying show. <laughs> uh, and then all that happened. Anyway, um, here's, here's the actual puzzle. Pleasant, pernicious, poltergeist, prizes, pennies, and plaque. Was there some kind of evil tooth fairy character? Yes, actually. Kind of. That has to be some kind of Tooth Fairy character, and I cannot... Mm, kind of, kind of, kind of. You've, you're really close already, actually. I think you just you might just not be familiar with this part of the gimmick. Is this a current wrestler? Mm-hmm. Okay. Current wrestler who has a gimmick where they collect teeth. Yep. Is it a WWE wrestler? No. No. Is this an AEW wrestler? It is. An AEW wrestler who's collecting teeth. All right. Who have I? Wait. Did Kip Sabian collect teeth? No. No. I, there was somebody who collected teeth. I, I am vaguely yep. recalling this now. Mm-hmm. And I can't. It was some minor character too. Like some of you're like, why did they add this to their gimmick or something like that? Um, um I will say that now that you've gotten the tooth part down, the first part of the clue again is pleasant, pernicious poltergeist. Like a friendly ghost. Like a friendly, kind of like a friendly annoying ghost. <laughs> kind of. Poltergeist in AW. It's not Abaddon, is it? No. Okay. No. Try to think of like go- like ghost people in AEW. If I were to say that they were very pleasant and very pernicious, what would you say? They sound like fun. <laughs> they they are pretty fun. Uh is this a group? No. Okay. Um I don't know. I think I might be stumped on this one. It's Danhausen. Has he been collecting teeth? He collects teeth, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I missed this detail about the Danhausen character then. I think it's related to the fact that he loves money. Uh, so <laughs> That's a character trait, I suppose. Yeah. Uh Yes, so and uh, he curses people, so uh, he's a poltergeist. That's ah, why. Ah, I, I, I like that, it. So. I like it. All right. Good, good game. All right. Uh, chapter forty-seven, transitional period. Uh, so uh, Fanta is talking with uh Sadame, and uh, who who. In response to Fanta's comment of "you're you're gonna lose," just uh, just kind of like laughs and is like, "Thanks for the awesome event." Uh, and to show my gratitude, I'm gonna. 
<laughs> this floats off. <laughs> There's a certain world where you just change the music in this series and it becomes like a surrealist horror series. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? What did he do? What's going on? <laughs> Sora Chica had approached Lucky in the last chapter as well. And uh, he says, like, you know, from the ages of about, like, three to four or five, before we were separated from the divorce, you were confined within the sounds of the piano. And that's how we communicated. Don't you remember? And Lucky's like, I don't really know what you're talking about. But Sorachika says that Lucky has really changed. Uh, first of all, you can now pay, play music that others could experience, and you've also raised your own ego as the most important thing to you. I think that was in preparation for you to emerge. And that's what I find so fascinating. And Lucky's like, why are you... What You keep on saying, like, you? What are you talking about? Who are you referring to? And Sorachika looks at him and then looks away and just looks kind of sad and says, right now, what do you believe in the most? And Lucky answers, ego. I believe in myself the most. I'm ready to win against Fanta. So Sorachika says, maybe you're still in a transitional period. So listen closely to my performance and you'll see who I'm talking about. Mm. We uh, cut to a backstage where the teams are, are gathered and <laughs> Mimin's just kind of like lounging around her, her brother and uh, with Fanta is like, is Sarchi going first? Uh, he asks where Maloli is and she says, oh, she wanted to be left. She wanted to be alone, uh, but she gave me a big hug. So I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they talk about how it's kind of weird for Sorachika to be doing this. And Fanta says, yeah, well, whenever he plays, he always takes first place. And that's why Dad, or rather Mr. Crescendo, has been allowing him to do events like this for management purposes. To sell the image of all six Otagami children being famous and elite. Uh, and uh, Mimin doesn't really quite get it. But Fanta says, I love my own playing, but his playing style isn't just beautiful or powerful. It's like, uh, and then Rajiro comes in and is like, Mimin, why are you being friendly with Fanta? He's our enemy right now. And Fanta's like, who are you talking about? I guess you're right, though. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so he's like, yeah, yeah, you should, you're, you're kind of annoying me. Get off. And Min says, no, you're big. So you make a good pillow. <laughs> hey, like it doesn't, it's not crazy strange. Cause you're like, yeah, this is, this makes sense for how both characters would operate. Like Min is this crazy fucking, uh, free spirit butterfly that just goes around doing whatever. And Fanta's just constantly in, like, lean-back position. So for him, he's constantly like, yeah, whatever. But it is rather amusing, like, fucking Rachel being like, why are you doing this? <laughs> Stop making out with one of our arch-rivals! <laughs> also, brothers! I was talking about Maloli, but okay. <laughs> Didn't you, like, just make best best friends again with him? No! He ran away again. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And, uh, you know, Frazier points out, like, hey, Fanta, like, we've got 1,395 points and you've got 605. So shouldn't you be panicking more, even if Sorachika's amazing? And Sadame's also great. So, you know, and on top of that, he's, like, abnormal. Uh, but uh, we get the announcement that, you know, hey, La Campanella is going to be the next performance between Sadame and uh, Sorachika. And Sadame uh, sits down just off stage and he kind of gestures over to Lucky and say, hey, let's go listen to a god play the piano. I love that my dude is so wild. <laughs> like, every person in this series is borderline unstable. <laughs> <laughs> like when Rageiro has to show up to a scene to be like, guys, we need to mentally pull it together. You're like, good. This is absolutely the last person who should be the voice of reason in the scene, but my boy is doing it. Yeah, it is It is crazy to look at all of them and be like, no, I guess the Rageiro is the voice of reason. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, you were like, oh, well, Sadame was always like, eh. you're like, yeah, he's just the dude or whatever. And then you get like moments through this chapter, which just didn't be like, I would like to thank you for turns, walks away. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> And then just shows up at the end of the scene to be like, now we shall listen to God play piano. <laughs> like, oh, man. Everyone in this series is 120% all the time, and I love it. This is also what happens when you have all these people interact with each other and Dada-sensei is not there to even remotely pull them back in a little bit. This is maybe the most accurate depiction of artistry I've ever seen. It's just 30 weirdos who talk to each other in inhuman <laughs> ways because not one of them is normal. Alright. Let's... Let's talk about Tokyo Demon Bride Story Nick. Burn, 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 burn. I don't even... Guys, I have the veto in the bank. I am not even going to need to use it, though, because this series is stained, definitely, because we love uh, innovative and fresh series that does new takes on the genre. That's what we appreciate here. And if that isn't what this series is, I don't know what is, man. So, which watch B? Um... <laughs> Tokyo Demon Bride story. Chapter one, the Demon Bride appears. Uh, so there is uh, a, uh, a a demon girl that shows up in the Tokyo train station. We immediately get a flashback uh, introducing uh, her as uh, as a as a as a younger girl uh, interacting with the uh, male protagonist of the story, uh, Jinta, uh, who and they're on a riverbank. And he says to her, hey, Manaka, do you want to marry me? When we grow up, I could come to this mountain and find you in 10 years or, or whatever. But then he gets called away uh, and he's like, I got to go and rushes off. Uh, and uh, so Manaka, uh, you know, her, her, her ogre horns get revealed when he runs off because her hat flies off. And she's like, Mary, I'm going to marry Jinta in 10 years. And now it's 10 years later and we're reintroduced to Jinta, who's a hard working plain boy. Uh, who is 17 years old now, going around, doing a bunch of stuff, trying to do a bunch of uh, side jobs in order to uh, make sure that uh, his uh, family's bills and stuff are paid off. 
and then who should ju- arrive at his door? But it's Manaka, and she's uh, you know grown teenage girl now. She's got big old horns on her forehead. She's like, I have come for you, Sir Jinta Hanafuda. Uh, and uh, Jinta looks at her and is like, uh, okay, what the hell? There's demons here. Uh, I'm just going to close the door, lock it. I'm probably just dreaming. And she takes out a sword and fucking cuts through the lock. Like, she could have, like, been much, much more aggressive with this. I do appreciate that she's just kind of like, eh, it's open now, as opposed to, like, slashing through the entire thing. It's, 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 it's a, a lot, lot of easier work, to yeah. fix. And wood's yeah, expensive yeah, nowadays. It's getting a little bit cheaper, but wood is mm-hmm. still very, very pricey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just kind of keeps on carrying on the conversation like he didn't even, you know, you know, close the door in her face. Just says, we finally meet again. For 10 years, I have admired you from the shadows. And you just like, uh, 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 do you want some tea? And he's like, what is this? What is going on here? What's going on? We see that there is like some sort of seal that is set into the door that as uh, Manaka walks under it, um, starts to like burn away. Uh, so that happens. Um, uh, Manaka brings up their time together when they were kids, and Jinta thinks that she's just making everything up. Uh, uh, Manaka says that if there had been another woman in the household, she would have fucking killed her with her sword. Cool. Uh, and, uh, then uh, she's like, oh, I better summon my attendants. And she claps her hands and a bunch of demons appear. Jinta starts to freak out. Uh, and, uh, he just leaves. He just leaves. He just leaves. That He just walks away from the, from the situation, goes to school, and uh it talks to uh is talking to his his sister on the way back matsuri and is like i had a crazy dream this morning still just like nope that did not happen i'm disassociating uh but as uh they are walking down the street manaka is on the other side of the street and she sees her her boy with another girl and is like i want to kill that woman uh but uh Fortunately, Jinta is immediately like, that's no, 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 that's that's no. Uh, uh, and Don't Matsuri is also, and Matsuri is like, oh, you're really cute. Is that Demon Slayer cosplay? Hey, we're referencing a much better series. Uh, and Manaka is like, well, this demon is going to slay you, which. I don't know what the pun was in the original Japanese with the Kimetsu no Yaiba, uh, but um it's a not not a, it's not a good uh, not a good punchline. I, I, I gotta say, it's just not. Well, mm, Nick Nick, this mm. series is, is is still finding its footing. Hey, first <laughs> season of Parks and Rec wasn't good either. If you know what I'm saying, it takes a little time to <laughs> find your footing. <laughs> so, uh, Matsuri uh, just finds uh, Manaka super adorable, uh, and uh, they just they just go home. They just all go go home together. Uh, and then we get like more backstory. It was like, oh, I guess these demons are, are real and stuff. And also, we uh, meet uh, uh, another sister, uh, Sumugi, uh, who is younger uh, than 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 Jinta. She looks like she's like uh, you know grade school level. And so Manaka's like, oh yeah, if I, I didn't realize you were his big sister, I shouldn't have attacked you with my katana. And Jinta's like, well, you shouldn't attack people with your katana, even if they aren't my sister. Put up, put up, put up. And uh, Matsuri's like, it's cool. There was, there was a specific moment that, like, 
caught me onto this series and we just kind of like i think we're like basically right on it where she's like a photo from you when you were a little surgeon to how adorable i'd like to get this tattooed on my back and his response is your way of thinking's bugged out and i was like fuck man this is i feel like i've heard this convert like i don't know how you could boil down exactly why this relationship is so trite and boring of just like every fucking wacky harem comedy has this moment of like but your thinking is crazy at least fucking um whatever that shitty uh protect me shogamaru at least that had Yu-Gi-Oh puns every so often <laughs> like like i don't know you need to give it because this shit's fucking this is fucking trodden ground so while Madoka is distracted by the younger sister, Matsuri serves to Jinta is like, "Well, why does she even like you?" And he's like, "Well, I do vaguely remember something happening ten years ago by the river." Uh, and Madoka uh, is like, "By the way, I've got I'm a demon, and I noticed that there were spirits possessing you, and your blood attracts spirits. And see, there is this powerful charm that was in your house, and she holds up the seal, and she says, and that was keeping you safe from danger.' And I was like, "Didn't that set on fire because you were here?" But apparently not. No, apparently it's just, no, it was just going to fall apart anyway, I guess. And anyway, so he's a danger now is is the thing. The seal was protecting him, but now it's broken. And so it needs other protection. Uh, and there is a, de- a demon lurking in the shadows as uh, everyone uh, decides to uh, go out and buy sukiyaki and stuff. And uh, they get food and on their way back, they're all just kind of like talking and stuff. And so Jinta and Manaka actually, you know, get to after a day of being together, start talking about stuff. And Jita says like, Hey, why, why do you have to live with me? Uh, I mean, you're like a total stranger as far as I'm concerned. So I can't live with you. Uh, I don't remember you at all. And I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Why would you want to devote yourself to some jerk who forgot about you? You should just go back to your mountain or whatever. And Monica says, I don't mind if you don't remember because I remember. Uh, I was like, all right, that's kind of sweet. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, so, but, there is this huge wave of water comes blasting in and starts to carry her off while she's by herself. And it carries her all the way to the river. And in that moment, Jinta remembers that Manaka can't swim. So his memories start to come back. Uh, and uh, so she's carried all the way into the water. And uh, oh, no, she's going to drown. And Manaka's oh. like, oh, no, is this the end? And Jinta dives into the water after her to save her. Uh, and he's like, now I remember when I was a kid, I was lost in the mountains and on the bank of a stream, I came across a drowned girl with beautiful white hair who wasn't breathing. Uh, so I frantically did CPR the way I'd seen my grandpa do. Okay. So I guess that's how we know CPR. Cool. Fine. But, uh, you don't need a backstory to explain how the character knows CPR. That's fine. The seven year old. Yeah. So, (laughs) I don't know. I was in the Boy Scouts at that point. I'm sure they taught us something. <laughs> so uh, he did CVR to Manaka, and when she opened her eyes, they were deep red. I was relieved and shocked, so relieved and shocked that I cried too. And in the present, Jinta carries Manaka out of the river and lays her safely onto um, a raft that's going by. And uh, Manaka's like, Teehee, like, I knew it. A you haven't changed. Size, like, like, I assume a fighting game was about to take place. Like, that, like that's how inconvenient this fighting location is. They're like, oh, yeah, Mortal Kombat was about to 
start on that platform. So the demon reveals itself. It turns out it's a Kawanpa, a frog person, which is conveniently um, monster girlized. So she's a cute girl uh, instead of, you know, some sort of hideous monstrosity or whatever. Uh, and she's even wearing a swimsuit. Okay. So uh, Manaka's going to fight this thing. And she's like, I'm going to slice you with my katana. And they fight and they fight and they fight and they fight. Uh, until eventually Manaka's like, I usually don't use my sorcery because it makes me too strong. Bah! And then she uses it and beats, beats the frog person. Boom! And turns it into um, a halfway between a tadpole and a fish and a frog, I guess? I don't know. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yep. Um, Indeed. Yep. Uh, and they're like, uh, we should kill it. No, don't. Uh, the frog person runs off crying after being turned back. Uh, and uh, like Manaka kicks it as it leaves. And then she's sprained her ankle. So now Jinta has to carry her. Uh, and they're like, uh. And so Manaka's like, I promised to protect you, but you had to rescue me. And Jinta says, it's okay. If you weren't there, I would have been a goner. So we both saved each other. Hey, they bonded. Uh, they go back home Manaka takes a bath uh and while she does Jinta is just immediately over in the next room and is like I can't think of you as a girlfriend or partner Manaka but I do have a duty to you as an old friend it's still winter so you can stay here until it gets warm uh but this uh forms the contract between them uh because uh Jinta's hands also got cut up during the whole scuffle and it seals it, and he happens to have his hands over the contract so it seals it with his blood and Manaka's like I accept but as your common law wife, I pledge to protect you. And she kind of comes storming out of the bath. It's not actually very fan servicey, no, thankfully. I, I will say that so. this for the series does not have a lot of fan service in it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. And so she's like, "I will, I will protect you forever." And she's just like, "I was just thinking about two to three months, but that's it. That's the chapter." But up, but up. So, like, real quick, because we are going to talk about this for another two chapters, and then we'll decide whether we want to keep it or not. Um, I don't want to go super harsh. I know we kind of jumped on that early on and made that kind of the gag. I will say I, I would give this series a little bit of time. As it is right now, it, it, it needs something more. It's just not particularly funny. Um, I guess I appreciate that it's not, like, super lewd. Um, but at the same time, it's also kind of just, like, very forgettable. It's a very rote premise. It's a very rote relationship. It's just like we're like the kind of gimmick of like monster girls doesn't even feel that unique. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of just waiting for some hook maybe to pull like this series together. Um, it I guess had the I don't know if you want to call it fortune that with worry worry dragon kind of on hiatus. Like I feel like if worry dragon mm-hmm. was in this magazine, this this would have hit the magazine with like a dull thud and immediately been out. But maybe there's an opportunity. I don't know. It's I'll, I'll kind of wait and see with this series, but I don't have a lot of high expectations for it at the moment. It is okay. You know, yeah. it's like, it, it's, it's not it's bad. Not, I would like it more if it was bad yeah. is the, is the problem. Like it, it's so not a hit for me in any respect that that's why I'm down on it. It's like, yeah. all right, fine. It's here. And so. this, this is the kind of series normally I'd be like, I should not use the veto on it. And then this is the one that like chapter 
like nine it's clearly getting canceled so it just goes fucking off the rails or something like that and they start fighting aliens in space with lightsabers or something like that you know how many times the discord's been like you motherfuckers dropped earth child right as it got fucking insane and i'm like all right i get it (laughs) but here i am over here happy about it so (laughs) (laughs) you say that until the audience forces their veto on us and they're like no you have to read it what the the audience can't participate in the veto in the bank contests oh how can they how very undemocratic of you nick look i haven't won any of these so (laughs) and i'll be honest i don't even remember what the competition for the second one was but i know i did win it it was romantic romantic couples good job me anyways let's move on real quick to Mashal magic and muscles chapter 122 lance crown and the unexpected decision Epidem is just like teaming up against me. We'll change this outcome of the battle. And Lance activates his Bankai. This time it works. The little line goes down his face. And boom, he summons the star, the god of the stars, Nemesis, which kind of looks like a fancy umbrella. It's not, but that's what I'm going to call it, his fancy umbrella. Uh, we see uh, he activates Gravial Thirds. Very powerful thing. We see his little stand pop up. Uh, very it's scary. the most Yu-Gi-Oh monster looking thing. It's- it really is. Like I assume, like at some point in some version, they were like, "We need new cards for fucking uh, Pegasus's deck," and this was the card they added into it. Uh, Tune monsters? No, like a scary card stuff. Like that. Was oh, the idol, oh, all that sort of shit. Oh, yes, yes. There are new. There are new cards for that. Yes. Oh, sweet. That's correct. Good. Yeah. So that, that he feels like he's he's right on board with that. Uh he fire uh epidem fires a bunch of the oracle shards uh and there's something like this gravity hole that like sucks all the men he's like what the my spell is being carried off by that spear oh now there's one behind me and all of his shards start coming towards me and he's like oh the opposing spheres were outplaying alternating gravity weights to produce a high-speed attack but that alone ought to feed me and he fucking like parkour jumps into the air and shit like that <laughs> It makes no sense how he's able to do this. He just kind of like, he jumps I'm, I'm just and double jumps and triple jumps, basically. He's like, I'm just built different. But all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of these these uh, spheres. And he's like, they're multiplying. And we just see like, uh, like half a page is just devoted to a bunch of speed line effects to show that like his orc alcum shards have been like kind of bounced and ricocheted through all throughout these things. And at the end of it, it looks like he's been damaged by the attack. Like his glasses are cracked. He's a little rough. But he is not defeated. And uh, we get Lance, who's just like, tell me how to cure my sister and uh, do that. I'll let you live. And Epidem's like, oh, spare me. Like I would ever tell you that. And he grabs his spoon and he activates it. And he gets like a, like a Sailor Moon fucking transformation sequence. Like Full his, on. His yeah. His clothes rip off. There's like a shine. And he's like, Sisyphus, god of cunning. And he's got his, his big spoon wand now. And his uh, jacket has pudding on it. Yes. Uh, and what is so fantastically a texture added in by a computer later, because like, oh, yeah. like it's all the same orientation. It's I kind of love how obvious it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, he summons a bunch of machine guns. They're going to fire a whole bunch <laughs> of these things. Lance is like, okay, this isn't good. Bullets are coming from all directions. Even if I can take it, he won't last. And we cut over to Dot, who is not doing so well. He has taken a bunch of shots. 
And it looks like he's about to, like, he finally has, like, kind of a breaking point. Epidem's like, ah, I had a feeling the spiky one was the weak link. Then he goes first. Fires a big bolt at him. Dot's like, damn it, this is it. Epidem, big explosion. Ha ha, one down. <gasps> Lance throws himself in front of Dot and takes the attack. And Dot's just like, why did you protect me? And he's like, shut up. I despise you. You're loud and crude. You're too hot-blooded for your own good. And this is all juxtaposed with different scenes of their relationship. And he's like, and yet, I found myself moving in spite of that. It seems I'm foolish too. And here I thought my little sister was my only reason to live. And then he falls to the ground. And he's like, it's up to you now. And Dot seems very sad. Epidem, of course, starts taunting them, like, you chose to let the weaker one of you two survive? Like, if your goal is to defeat me, you've only worsened your chances. It wasn't very logical. In fact, it was downright stupid. I would never make such a dumb mistake. And Dot's like, yeah, dumb. Doesn't your little sister need you? Doesn't she not have, like, she has so much more left for you to do? Why'd you do this for me? He looks up. He's like, all right, then. And we see the little cross on his forehead activate. He's like, you're going to die a hundred times over. And maybe, Nick, maybe finally we'll get an explanation for what the Irma Cruz or whatever the fuck God <laughs> is actually means. Uh, yeah, he powers up so much that it actually rips apart his headband. It's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, but it's different from the lines, I guess. So completely different, different thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a pretty, you know, straightforward. Oh, Shonen buddies kind of chapter, but uh, for what it was, for what it was, it was pretty, pretty okay. So. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, all right, the Loose Samurai Chapter Seventy Six, Mounted Single Combat, Thirteen Thirty Five. So uh, Yukiyasu is uh, going up against uh, Shibukawa, and um, they do their weird things to get super powered up. Uh, so Yukiyasu just, in order to power up, thinks about Shrine Maidens. Doing things that let that that lets him touch them as they touch him in very innocent ways, basically, and he gets really turned on by it, and it powers up his muscles so that he does really powerful slashes. And it's like, oh, what if he laid his head in this one's lap? What if he held this one's hand? Ooh, and he's just thinking about that, and he's powered up, and there's and he's slashing at uh at at. <sighs> at Chibukawa, and that makes him strong. And uh, everyone's like, wow. Yep. That, that makes him strong, all right. Fair enough. Yep. yep. So, uh, everyone's just kind of observing as they as they go about uh, uh, mounted combat like that, and everyone's like, oh, hey, if we win this, then that's going to be a huge boost for morale. Uh, uh, but as uh, Yorishige is observing the fight, he thinks, okay, so Uno is definitely more skillful, but Chibukawa it responds with youth. He is unrefined, but knows neither fear nor exhaustion. Uh, and so he's like, you know, th this kind of explosion of youthful emotion could overpower everything that we've got in our favor. Uh, so Yuki Yasu is fighting back. Uno is thinking to himself, like, all right, this young one is strong. This leaves me no choice. There is a physical cost. But I need a stronger fantasy to 
and there is suddenly a clang as Uno uh, has an arrow th- ricochet off of his shoulder, the shoulder of his armor, and uh, someone in the in the in the troop says, "Ha! Take that, fool! We think single combat is old fashioned." Uh, and they're like, "Wait, wait! What the hell? Those aren't our troops." Uh, and Genba's like, "Oh, that kid's done it!" And he, it's the kid who's among the generals uh, who has basically done some misdirection. And he's like, "Yeah, I just gave some of our troops a sua standard to act under, and now behold the results." And uh, Yukiyasu gets really, really, really pissed off. He slashes his sword, and immediately this giant blast of blood flies out of Uno. Uh, he's like, "Impossible." I didn't see it coming. Uh, and uh, Yukiyasu cries out to his troops, saying that justice is on our side. Uh, so the battle uh, begins in, in full form. We cut over to where Shizuku is with some of the uh, the women who are working the war, tending to the wounded. When we get some narration, explaining that, yeah, that there's not just soldiers who go to war. Non-combatants lend support behind the lines. Uh, and just kind of giving some like basic historical instru- you know stuff over like hey here's all this stuff that happens when beyond just like people who are fighting um and uh we also get a moment where there's just a guy who's like hey ladies i brought a head in here <laughs> i killed a guy here is his head and they're like, oh well done he wore a helmet did the enemy name himself oh it just has this long conversation over this stuff it was like Oh, was he a commander what, and all this? And Shizuku is going over this and say like, oh, yeah, we took one of these uh, men prisoner yesterday. So asking him may reveal who it is. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you'll get good news. So uh, and then we get this whole thing of like, hey, there is all this death makeup that's that's taken uh, that's that, that is done because they want to show respect for a warrior's death. Anyway. The crazy girl, the girl crazy uh, general, uh, comes suddenly bursting into the tent that they're in, uh, and is right behind Shizuku, and uh, is go is saying that he wants to claim all of them. So, ugh. yeah. Not this great. is a weird chapter. This this, this was a weird chapter. I. Uh, I don't really know what to say. I it's it's we start off on the note of like, oh okay, here's these two weirdos fighting each other. And it's like, oh okay. And then the fight ends emphatically about two thirds of the way through. And then we get all this stuff about like, hey, here are some little historical tidbits that don't really have any plot bearing on the story, but it's you know, here's Shizuku. Oh, there's a guy who really likes having sex with women and he says he wants to have all the women. Ooh. Oh. Oh. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, we're gonna see where this goes. I yeah, don't know, but it's all we have great. a chapter to. Yeah, we have a series to end on. Yeah, now. let's talk about Black Clover, page three thirty-six, the final enemy. So we open after all the big stuff happened last week, where the populace now knows about all this happening. They're like, "Holy shit, the Wizard King is the enemy. This is this is insane. What's what's gonna become of the kingdom?" And all of the captains have kind of gathered together. Yuno shows up very angry. 
Uh, clearly, there's a report that happens. We see the faces of the three ladies who were there when Asta was vaporized into seemingly nothingness. And uh, the captains just start kind of going on about, like, I guess so that means Asta. And real, and maybe the only relatable moment this character has ever had, he's like, yeah, it started as a party, but it kind of feels like a wake now. And the character's like, shut up, Will. <laughs> Oh, thank God. The right use for real. (laughs) The one that everyone hates. Everyone's like, shut the fuck up, real. (laughs) Yami is very angry. He's like, nature boy, Ric Flair. And nature boy, Ric Flair shows up at Shadow. I always want to see how many times I can surprise Nick with it. Well, since the last time that we talked about Nacht, all this other stuff involving Nature Boy Ric Flair happened. So I'm just thinking about like Nacht getting into an intense fight and just passing out multiple times during the fight. So. <laughs> uh, so uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair shows up. He's like, I can travel to the shadow of anyone I choose. However, I cannot move to Asta's shadow, which means he's either in another dimension on another content somewhere incredibly far away or he's dead <gasps> so you have no idea where he is okay yeah. got it <laughs> yeah. it could either mean he's dead he's in another dimension which i don't is that a thing are there other dimensions in this world i guess hell I guess there's the, i guess yeah the demon dimension? yeah or he's somewhere very far away and someone's like it's the acid maybe there's an acid dimension oh, that'd be great uh, someone would be like, how far is far away from your powers? It's like, I don't know, like a mile or two. He's uh, <laughs> like, it's actually not as far <laughs> as it sounds like. I kind of make it a big deal when I talk. I can teleport to anyone's shadow. They have to be in the same, like, city block kind of area. Like, you know, like a couple blocks away. But then I can, I can boom anywhere I want. Which is actually still a pretty useful it's, power. Um, you know, it's like, it's like. You can fly to anywhere within one region, but then if you're trying to go to a different region, then you have to actually like take another route to go yeah. between them, and then you can fly to that. So Owen and Shino are very far away from each other. You can't just fly between them. It's not going to work like that. Stupid. No, you um, got to like take a boat or something. They ta- they comment on like, oh, hey, Lord Julius, actually, rather, Lucius is our enemy. Uh, the great hero Jack the Ripper interjects to say, Ha! The Wizard King! Who'd have figured? One body, two personality. So it's like what happened with the elves, huh? He's, Pretty much. <laughs> he adds a great comment. Um, Nozelle is like, if he's a Sagratus, that probably means he has a relation to the Dark Triad, and he's taking control of all the devils in the underworld, meaning his power is even greater than theirs was. Uh, and they're like, oh, wait. And he also has the Wizard King's time magic. Rill's like, we're fucked. <laughs> if that's true, we literally can't do a thing. Everyone's like, shut up, Rill. <laughs> um, Why are you a captain? <laughs> you suck I don't know. The purple orca guy gets to be a captain. Why not me? <laughs> Everyone's like, fair. That's fair. He brings fair up enough. a good point. He's, his logic is infallible in this instance, yes. Fuego Leon continues. He's like, yeah, if he has a body that sturdy, then if you activate a huge time spell like spell like that easily, then yeah, it must be true. Uh, you know, it says, when we went to investigate that suspected devil activity, we found the supreme devil who stood by and watched the battle in the Spade Kingdom and a group that appeared to be higher devils. It was clearly a feint. The supreme dev- devil did nothing but evade. Lucius must have put them up with that many devils. It's possible that a rift has opened between our world and the underworld. And Frego Leon's like, yes, and Lucius' own magic is soul magic. That's a complete unknown. 
From what we've been told uh, of the nun from Haig, he's probably capable of mind control. Then he invests those cre- those he controls with a power surpassing that of a devil. And the purple orca guy, who is present at this scene now, he says, is there. He says, Judgment Day. Then people like that will attack us a week from now. And we can see Yami has chain smoked a lot. That's very unhealthy. A lot. Don't it's don't bad. smoke that much, Yami. You're gonna die. Uh, I can set the key so I could do this and so get away with it. Yeah, <laughs> smoking is cool, kids. Uh, and we see Yami grip his fist. He says, "We have to do it. We don't have a choice." And he thinks back to all the times him and Asta have basically been like, "Oh, I'm going to become the Wizard King," which is actually they flashes back to like eighty percent of the series, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and as you know, you or asked in the past, be like, "I'm always going to catch you," because uh, this is specifically after the promotion just happened, where you yes. like, got a higher rank. And he's like, "I'm going to catch up to you and pass you one day." And the present unit is like, "He was always concerned with passing me, but as far as I'm concerned, he was always the one who's ahead of me. If he's, if Ast is dead, if he's not coming back, then I'll pass him." And then we cut away to Lucius who meets up with an astronomer from Power Rangers in space. Uh, <laughs> I didn't give myself time to learn this character's name. It's actually not that hard to draw a leg, but Astronomer from Power Rangers Lost in Space is an easier thing to say. I had to look it up. thought it was Lost Galaxy. Turns out, in space. Uh, but she might also appear in Lost Galaxy. I'm not sure on She that. does. She shows, up in that, she shows up in that as Corone. Yes, you you're go. correct. So Astronomer from Power Rangers in space and Lost Galaxy says, I swear I never would have believed that a human could level that much up in a span of a year and a few months. He took out all the high-level devils instantly. High Lucia, level devils. Yes. And Lucius is like, of uh, the 10,000 futures that I see, there is just but one where they have the advantage. He does the little Doctor Strange. He doesn't, but he should do the little Doctor Strange thing of like one. And he says, the key to it is the singularity with two grimoires, one for the Spade Kingdom, the other with a four leaf clover. That it ch- basically, you know, basically explains that you know is the one they have to crush. You know, Grimberry for the sake of the world will crush him. And then we get. The end of Yuno's thing saying, I'll take Lucius out and become the Wizard King, uh, which is a cool a cool moment. It's difficult to recap because you had to be like three pages earlier. Yuno says yeah. something. It finishes yeah. here in a scene that's not like it's kind of duality, but they don't say the same thing. <laughs> it's not really close enough because their goals are like, I mean, it's to impress upon you that Yuno is going to, for the time being, be the most important character uh, while Asta is away, basically, but yeah, it is too. It's it's not that kind of thing where it's like I'll I'll become justice or whatever. Yeah. It's like no, no, no. They're saying completely different things. <laughs> yeah. so. but we're not done. We continue no. the chapter. We just hear a sound effect of like ocean, like waves going, and we see a body on the beach, and we close in, and it is Asta who's laying face down on the ground. Uh, he's, he's fine. His, yeah, he's got his book next to him. <laughs> And a figure approaches and says, well, hey, there he is. We can't see who they are. Their face is uh, blocked out by the sun. Yeah, but, it's a cool effect. Yeah. But Asta is not dead. No, his uh, grimoire is still intact. So yes. we know for certain that he is still alive. Yes, he did not get uh, sent to the other Momoto world. That's Bell reference. The, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I gotta say... 
uh, Black Clover, I have never been more excited to get to <laughs> buy this series. Like, it's been a fantastic feeling. I think the time away from it, for me, did be a lot of good. Um, and being reintroduced to it, it's just kind of been hitting all the right notes. So even though this was just a very, like, kind of a recappy sort of chapter uh, with a lot of characters that we I do not care about what they have to say about this situation. Uh, fucking real and uh, Jack the Ripper, the the purple orca guy, all talking about this stuff. And Yuno doesn't really say anything to indicate that he has grown at all. But the stuff that's going on uh, and the way that it ends with this, like, who is this person that has come across Asta, does have me very intrigued to see where this goes. So yeah, uh, I, I absolutely agree. This yeah. this has been a really really good arc setup. All right. Now, with that said, th there's no One Piece this week, so uh, that's going to be where we yeah, close out. it was out. involved in a fight backstage after All Out, so they're all been yeah. suspended for an indeterminate amount of time. Uh, a new, yeah. new uh, trio's champion will be de decided shortly. Yeah, so we'll uh, have to uh, wait to see uh, if there's like any obvious injuries, like uh, like if it turns out that, uh, that uh, Zoro has an eye injury or something like that. Uh, so to see if, how much truth there was to all the rumors about what happened backstage uh in the meantime uh we gotta just hope that no one sues each other yeah, yeah. okay so favorite series and mvp quinn uh my favorite series this week is no question slam dunk it is blue box blue box was so good this week i i really really enjoyed it it, it lifted up the character of chinatsu so much a character we've kind of talked about before like not always having like a great idea what she was all about. Uh, this chapter gave so much more of a context. I know a lot of demisexuals are going to be able to read that conversation and feel a part of themselves there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's intended representation, but it certainly is definitely appreciated. Uh, and it was just really, really cool. And like a good introduction to Ayame as like our new character antagonist, whatever it might be just really good. and felt like there was a ton of content in it. Oh yeah, uh, I'm gonna agree 100. There were some other good chapters. I liked. I liked uh, Kaiju Number Eight this week. I liked Kanebanashi, but in terms of just top to bottom, all hits, all really appreciated. And also for a a long chapter, mm -hmm. uh, I gotta give it to uh, Blue Box as well. Yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great series. Uh, my character of the week, I'm going to double up on it is Shinatsu. As I said, I. I, I really, really enjoyed what this did for her as a character. I feel like I now have a really good understanding of where she is mentally as a character. Uh, we've had that kind of explored with Hina, and we've been getting in little tiny chunks about Shinatsu. But as the, in the way, same way I kind of explained, like, Kaiju number 8 made Mina a little bit more interesting this chapter. Uh, Blue Box did it on a much bigger level, I feel like for chinatsu and I'm, I'm suddenly like okay now i'm invested to find out where these relationships with all these characters go because i really i feel like i have a much better handle on chinatsu now uh i'm gonna give mine to jewies uh an undead unluck like i said i just thought that they looked really cool in this chapter yeah. uh, I, I like the conversation that she has with fuko and i love the comment of like i've been you know every loop that i've been going through i've been the one who's had to watch all my friends go off to their demises and now i get to fight for you uh, so I, I really appreciate that. So yes, extremely good. The audience agreed with you about Juez, by the way. Uh, Juez won MVP, and Akane Banashi won Chapter of the Week from our audience, which I can absolutely see. Great chapter. It's a good chapter. Yeah. 
Guys, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. If you want more Weekly Manga Recap, you can check out all the places that we posted to, like podbean.com, weeklymangarecap.podbean.com. You can also check it out on youtube.com slash weeklymangarecap. Uh, anywhere the podcast tend to get posted to, such as uh, Spotify and iTunes and all those places. Uh, you can also check out patreon.com slash recap for bonus content that we produce for you guys. We appreciate all the support that you guys show us over there. Uh, and we also want to give uh, shout-outs to the people who help make the show what it is, and not just everyone in the audience, although we all we do appreciate all your efforts. But we also want to thank Ninja X3 guy who uh, creates bo- uh, the... Uh, rather maintains these the spreadsheet that keeps track of all sorts of statistics associated with the show including recommendations if you want to find that uh, sheet you can join us on the weekly manga recap discord server uh and uh, participate in conversations whenever weekly chapters come out whenever there is a new series that is picked as a recommendation you can participate in discussions surrounding it there's going to be a while before we talk about get backers so if you want to talk to people about that ahead of time go jump in there We'd also like to thank uh, Wednesday Del Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillis for creating the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap, which you can see on the YouTube channel. And uh, you, the uh, thumbnails that you see on some of those are done by Steve Man, Tower Cars, you, whose work you can check out on Twitter.com slash Steve Man Art. Yes. All right. All right. That is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap this week, I guess. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say? I don't think so. I think we're just waiting to do get backers. We're going to enjoy it, Nick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying really hard not to just launch into like another CM Punk Rand reference right now. Like, I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a bit on my mind so much. I, I can't. <laughs> Nick, we can't. Our audience, like the Venn diagram that overlaps between people understands AEW backstage drama and then our podcast, it's, it's getting smaller the more nuanced I, we get. Like, we can reference referencing that uh, wrestling and a couple people. So, that's okay. I'll explain. It'll only take me eight years of history lessons to do. I was going to say. <laughs> in 2014. <laughs> you have to go back a little bit earlier than that because there's a bunch of people commenting on the fact that the CM Punk took, tried to really take over as locker room leader. And there's a great story about like Booker Everyone T. laughing about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, I guess like someone being like, he was like, hey guys, as locker room leader, you got to pick up the trash. And Booker T, who'd been in the locker room longer, like just threw trash in the guy. I was like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Wrestling's a wild place. Goodbye, everybody. Wrestling is weird.